Hello and welcome to the Truth Labyrinth podcast. My name is J.R. Everhart from Restoration Ministries. I will be your host. Uh, This week we continue to move forward with uh, week six, choice six, principle six of life's healing choices. Uh, Looking forward to this uh, lesson. This is the repairing relationships choice, but we're going to talk about uh, forgiveness and we're going to talk about making amends and how the nuts and bolts of all that kind of stuff works. So uh, make sure you stick around because you do not, I mean, do not want to miss a second of today's show. I'll be back in 60 seconds. I want to talk to you guys for a second about my company, COP Audio. COP Audio is your one-stop source for mobile audio and lighting, as well as a host of other services. Uh, We can handle everything from large outdoor concerts, to small club type shows or even DJing your wedding or company picnic. Uh, We also work with local and regional government for public address events and summer community concert series type stuff. We also do event planning and band booking as well as audio install work at your local church or high school. You'll find tons of information online about us on both Instagram and Facebook. When you go to our Facebook page, make sure that you read our reviews from our clients. You can also find us uh, by just calling me or texting us, uh, 304-676-8811, 304-676-8811. You can also email me at um, jr.coplaudio at gmail.com. That's jr.coplaudio at gmail.com. CLP Audio has a long success record with dozens of bands, churches, and event venues all around the Mid-Atlantic. Again, find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching CLP Audio or call 304-676-8811. That's 304-676-8811. Hello and welcome back uh, to the podcast Let's see, uh, Life Sealing Choices by John Baker. That's the book we're in. It's a, um, uh, a Celebrate Recovery-related thing. Uh, it's the eight principles that accompany the 12 steps of Celebrate Recovery. And this book takes us through eight weeks, uh, looking at each principle each week in an in-depth way. Uh, this program's kind of like a summer college course, is how I describe it with uh, the guys in the group is that um, it's a whole lot of information in a short period of time. So we're in choice six, principle six, evaluate my relationships. I'm sorry, evaluate all my relationships, not just some, all my relationships. Offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me and make amends for harm I've done to others, except when to do so would harm them or others. And then the scriptures that support this principle are from um, the Matthew 5 Beatitudes, happier those who are merciful to others and happier those who work for peace. So this is titled The um, Repairing Relationships Choice, The Relationship Choice. And uh, it, it's a, it's, it, man, it's a lot of information in this. And like I say in most of these podcasts, I can't stress enough about how this podcast is just uh, one instructor's view into this. You know, um, this does not replace a full in-depth uh, study of this book uh, with a group of uh, uh, other guys and believers. 
so don't let this be your replacement for that. This is just kind of uh, a way to give you a taste of what this program looks like if you're looking into Celebrate Recovery or you're looking for some kind of recovery help. This will give you a really good view of how we approach things inside of uh, a Christian 12-step program uh, supported by these eight principles. So uh, make sure we get that in place. This step is also a step that you do not work without a sponsor. You know, you definitely need a sponsor to help walk you through um, the forgiveness process and the amends process. We're going to lay out all the meat and potatoes of those two things and all the nuts and bolts of what this looks like uh, to walk out. So uh, just kind of hang on as we dive through this uh, synopsis of uh, Choice six, why should I forgive others is a a lesson title here where it's saying uh, there are at least three reasons uh, to to forgive others. And believe it or not, the benefits are all yours. I think that's pretty cool. The first reason is because God has forgiven you. Uh, It uses a scripture from Colossians 3.13. Uh, that says um, you must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive uh, the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So the first reason why we need to forgive people is because God has forgiven us. I always say that if you expect grace and mercy for the wrong that you've done in your life, you definitely have to be willing to practice and exercise and reciprocate that uh, grace and mercy toward those that have hurt you. Um, when you have a hard time forgiving someone else's sin, it's usually because you don't feel forgiven. Uh, this is something that I have recently kind of just bumped into uh, with some of the guys that I walk with in the program, uh, and it really unveiled you know, and uncovered uh, some things in my own life about, do I really believe that I'm forgiven, you know? And um, some of that comes back to our view of God, you know, and without going too far down a separate rabbit hole of God's identity, I'll just say that uh, many of us feel like at best God is just mildly annoyed by us because we constantly screw up and we're constantly getting it wrong. And no matter how hard we try, we're, we're not really, you know, nailing it correctly. Well, we need to approach God as a loving, supportive father, not a an emotionally unavailable workaholic jerk of a dad that some of, some of us had. Um, because God really does have compassion for your struggle. Uh, he's never okay with your sin any more than I was okay with, you know, one of my kids doing something that was harmful to them. I'm always going to want to draw boundaries in their lives and help enforce those boundaries in their lives because it's what's best for them. God is the same way, but we we do that in a loving manner with our children, and God does it in a loving manner with us as well. So, We need to understand that God's identity is wrapped around his love and compassion for us, and he understands how hard it is to do the right thing. And he is proud of you and greatly impressed every time that you choose to not do something that you know is wrong. And when we do fail, we have to picture him as the dad that's running out on the t-ball field, you know, helping his son up after he just took a nosedive into second base and, you know, skinned his knee or skinned his elbow or something. And he's crying and you're just there like, look, son, it's going to be okay. You just got to hang in there. I'm here with you. You're not alone. And uh, I love you very much. And I'm very proud of the effort that you're putting into the game. That's how God views us when we're trying to pick ourselves up and pull up our bootstraps. 
because of that great love and that enormous you know forgiveness and acceptance and validation we get from God we need to reciprocate that toward the people who have hurt us um it's 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 just very important it's it's our way of paying it forward um so it says, yeah, we have a hard time forgiving someone else. It's usually because we don't feel forgiven. So we have to accept that forgiveness for ourselves first and have that established in our life first. Many of us are the type of people who beat ourselves up and have really toxic self-talk to where we talk to ourselves in a very toxic manner, um, you know, feeling ourselves you know, like we're stupid. Like it reminds me of the Chris Farley skit from Saturday Night Live where, you know, he's interviewing Paul McCartney or somebody famous and he asks them the most obvious and, and goofy questions and then he realizes that it was goofy and obvious and maybe stupid and then he says, gosh, I'm so stupid, so stupid, you know. Well, that's funny in that bit, but when that's how you talk to yourself in your day-to-day life, that's not healthy at all, you know, and overcoming that is part of learning how to forgive yourself and accept forgiveness in your own life and accept the fact that we are redeemed to what Christ did on the cross and we don't have to live in guilt and shame. When we get that established in our lives, it's we have a much easier time, you know, practicing forgiveness toward others. The second is uh, because resentment doesn't work. Resentment is unreasonable. Uh, the Bible says it plainly. Don't worry yourself to death with resentment um, because that would be foolish and senseless. That's from Job 5.2. Um, why is holding on to resentment foolish and senseless? Well, because when you're holding on to it, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You know, that's that's kind of you know how resentment works. It, it just is very unreasonable in how you're processing, you know, the situation. You're only hurting yourself. Uh, you're the one who's losing sleep and being distracted from the joys of life. When many times the people that we have resentment toward don't even realize that you're mad at them. don't even realize you have resentment toward them and they're sleeping great. And they're like just going on with life and living their best life and, and getting it on. So it really is completely unreasonable to harbor resentment that way. Uh, and resentment is unhelpful. Resentment cannot change the past, the problem, or the person who hurt you. It doesn't even hurt the person who hurt you. It only hurts you. Resentment certainly doesn't make you feel better. Have you ever known anyone to say, I feel so much better now that I'm resentful? Of course not. That just sounds ridiculous. Uh, Resentment just makes you mad and unhappy. Resentment can also be a very firm foundation in anger and bitterness in our lives. Um, You show me an angry person and I'll show you someone who's harboring enormous amounts of resentment, uh, you know, toward someone in their life or maybe a situation in their life. Resentment is unhealthy. Uh, Some people stay healthy to the day they die. Others have no happiness at all, and they live and die with bitter hearts. I had a a counselor tell me probably over 20 years ago uh, when I first started unpacking the trauma from my first divorce. um, He said, look, we either get better or we get bitter. You know, we either get better or we get bitter. And when you get bitter, you get old quick because bitterness just tears us down physically. Uh, it's emotional poison with physical consequences. You know, I, we've all seen people, you know, who look like they're, you know, 70 years old and they're 48 because they've been carrying resentment <clears throat> and bitterness, 
you know, their entire life. They've never gotten peace over the things that, that hurt them and, and tore them up. Resentment has emotional and physical consequences. It can lead to depression, stress, and fatigue. Nothing drains you emotionally like bitterness and resentment. Uh, number three, uh, because you'll need forgiveness in the future. I really, I really like this. Um, what this is basically telling us is that you know you're, there's going to come a time where you're going to need someone to forgive you. There's going to come a time where you really, really miss it and um, may even be holding a grudge against someone that you find out years down the road may be in some position of authority over you or at the very least hold the keys to the kingdom of whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish in life, whether it be a career thing or even something in your neighborhood or your church or something like that. So you're going to need forgiveness in the future you know, for someone to forgive you because you will make mistakes. I promise you that. Uh, resentment blocks you from feeling God's forgiveness. You know, resentment can numb you, you know, to receiving God's love and mercies into your life. Uh, that's very, very important. And then finally, in this point, don't burn a bridge you need to walk across. You know, don't hold a grudge against somebody that you may need at some point in your life. And we had this discussion today in the group when we went over this about how there's been times in my life where I've been like, you know what, I'm never going to see this person again, or I'm never going to need this person in my life ever again. So I really don't care if that, you know, how they feel. I really don't care, you know, if they don't like me or, you know, something like that. And there's been so many times in my life where, you know, five years later, I was in a situation where I needed that person's favor for some reason or another, whether it was a job promotion, whether it was getting a new job, or maybe it was I needed favor with the, the local HOA in my neighborhood, and these people moved into the backside of the development. I didn't know it. And now they're the president of the HOA. <laughs> you know, maybe they're on the PTA board at school with your kids, and you need their favor there. You just don't know when you're going to run into people again. So don't ever burn the bridges that you may need to walk across at some point in the future. So it, it says, how do you forgive others? Forgiving others is not easy. How do you forgive those who have hurt you? Uh, the three R's can show you how to do this. The three R's are reveal, release, and replace. Not to be confused with, uh, uh, what is it, writing, reading, and arithmetic. We have a school teacher in our group, and we thought that was funny today. So the three R's, um, reveal, release, and replace. Number one, reveal your heart. You have some options when it comes to dealing with your hurts. You can repress them and pretend that they don't exist, but they do. And guys, let me tell you, if you're someone who stuffs your feelings and stuffs your hurt and pain, and you're 24 years old doing that, well, you may get away with that now, but trust me, when you get in your mid-30s and even into your 40s, that stuff will come to the surface whether you like it or not. So it's best to unpack it in a healthy way through programs like this. You can ignore them and try to push them out of the way. That never works because those hurts always pop out in some form of compulsion. They can come to the surface in addiction issues. They can come to the surface in compulsive behaviors like uh, codependency you know, and anger bitterness, things like that. Uh, so you can admit these things, you know, that that's, that's how we reveal the hurt. We get them on the table. We admit them. We admit that we are hurting from these things. We, we 
say them out loud. We may even write them down on paper. We share this with another human being. Again, this is a great opportunity to connect with your sponsor. You can reveal the truth that hurts you. uh, And you can't get over it until you admit that it is pain operating in your life. We always say in Celebrate Recovery that God can't heal it if you can't feel it. And then we have a little analogy story here. A woman in a counseling session insisted, I forgave my parents. Uh, They did the best they could. But the more she talked, the more obvious it became that she really hadn't forgiven them. She was angry with them, and she was denying her anger. Well, the truth is, is her parents hadn't done the best they could. None of us are doing the best that we can. Your parents didn't, and you as a parent will make mistakes as well. None of us are perfect. And doing the best we can, quote unquote, sometimes is a cop out for, you know, people who don't want to own the fact that they missed it in some way or another. We're all imperfect and we all make mistakes. When this woman was able to admit that her parents didn't do the best they could, then she was able to forgive them. So admitting it and getting it on the table is the first step into that. Uh, There's one thing you have to remember. There is no closure without disclosure. Let me say that again. There is no closure over the things that are controlling your life, even in a subconscious way, um, without disclosure. You have to expose those things um, and, and get them out on the table. Once you've revealed the hurt, then you'll be in a position to forgive. But you can't forgive a hurt that you won't admit. Uh, number two, release the offender. The second step is forgiving an offender. Uh, the second step in forgiving an offender is releasing him or her. You may have some questions about uh, how this works. Uh, When do I release an offender? The answer is that you do it now. You don't wait for the offender to ask for forgiveness. You make the choice to do it independently of the other person. This process of forgiveness and amends is about you, not the other person. This is about getting you out of the prison of unforgiveness and into the light of freedom, peace, and harmony in your life. And it's uncomfortable, mind you. That's why you need to walk through it with your sponsor or with another human being. But um, yeah, so this is this is not about the other person. This is about you. Um, you do it whether the uh, person asks for forgiveness or not, and you do it for your sake, not the other person's sake. Let me flip the page here and keep moving forward. How often do I have to forgive people? Well, someone asked Jesus that one time, and he said 70 times 7. And that wasn't pointing toward a specific number of times. That was meaning you continually forgive all the time. You know, and the deeper you get in your relationship with Christ, the more you'll realize that forgiveness is something you have to walk out every second of every day. Because we live in a world where people have no problem walking all over you, you know, and you're either going to allow that stuff to hurt you and build up and become bondage in your life, or you're going to learn to process those things in a healthy way and forgive and, you know, show mercy to the people around you. Uh, how will I know that I have fully released an offender? You'll know when you can think about him or her and it doesn't hurt anymore. You'll know when you can pray for God's blessings in their life. When you can begin to look at and understand the hurt they may be feeling rather than focusing on how you have been hurt. Remembering that hurt people tend to hurt other people. Let me say that again because that's a big statement. Hurt people 
tend to hurt other people. So stop for a second and think about the people in your life that are the most bitter, the most angry, the most miserable, and how they lash out at the people around them and how they may be living in a circle of drama, an environment of drama. They just be in a sense of, you know, discontent. Well, understand the reason that they are, are acting that way is because they're hurting, because there's something inside them that is, is tearing them up and robbing them of being free and being warm and soft-hearted. You can't be warm and soft-hearted if you don't understand that you've been forgiven and practice that towards someone else. Uh, and in this, uh, let me get back here because I had an analogy I wanted to share with you guys from my personal life. Oh, I was talking about understanding the other person's hurt and pain. Uh, the second I realized that my mom and dad didn't have that great of a childhood, in fact, they had horrible childhoods, um, was the beginning of me being able to understand their dysfunction, and it brought compassion into the conversation. It brought, brought compassion into um, the equation and made it easier for me to practice forgiveness toward them and to just see them as human you know, infallible the same way that I am. And it even got to a point with me where I felt like, how can I stand in judgment of them when I've done things as bad as they've done, in some cases worse? You know, I need to exercise and reciprocate this forgiveness thing. But understanding their story really helped that process move forward. You may not be able to completely forget, but you can release the offender and let go of the pain. Is it always wise to release the offender face-to-face? Not always. And this is why it's so important to be walking through this with your sponsor because they have a clear, rational head and can give you good, godly advice with this. Um, if you are, well, let me just read the, let me just read the, the paragraph here. Cause these guys do a pretty good job of laying this out. Uh, and in some cases, it's not even possible to go back to the people who have hurt you. In some cases, those people who have hurt you have passed away. Maybe they've moved to, you know, Europe or Asia or even California. You know, maybe they're on the other side of the country from where you are, and it's just impossible to be able to do a face-to-face amends. Um, So to bring up old hurts may not be productive for you or kind to them in some cases. You know, uh, we're going to get into the specifics of how the amends process walks out here in just a second. But, you know, this is about discerning what is toxic for you or them. Because remember what the principal said? It said, uh, let me go back to it. Evaluate all my relationships, offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me and make amends for the harm I've done to others, except when to do so would harm them or others. If you doing a face-to-face with someone is going to bring, you know, crazy, horrible stuff to them and their family, or even compromise your sobriety by re-entering a toxic environment to do this, then I do not suggest that you do it. And your sponsor wouldn't either. So that's why it's so important to do this with a sponsor. Uh, What do you do in those situations? Well, there's two techniques, and these are very effective techniques uh, that I've seen guys use for a very, very long time and produce incredible results. There's the empty chair technique, which means you set an empty chair in front of you. 
and you imagine the person that hurts you in that chair, or you imagine the person you have hurt in that chair. And then you sat there and you talk to that empty chair as if you were talking to that person and you share all your feelings about it. You share all your apologetic, you know, uh, forgiveness, you know, uh, things with, with that empty chair and you let you vent out all those emotions and all that hurt and all that pain. Another technique, which is one that I recommend the most and I practice in my own life, is writing a letter that will never be mailed. Especially, this works really good uh, if the person is deceased. Uh, if it's someone you can go to their graveside, I know people who's written a letter and went to their graveside and read it to them at their grave. You know, um, many times people write these letters and then they just burn them or they destroy them or they, you know, delete them from their digital device if they did that on their digital device. Um, but yeah, it's the same thing. You just write a letter to that person and you express your sorrow, you know, for the things that you did to them and how you hurt them, or you, you let them go if they've hurt you, you, you know, that's the amend side of this more than the forgiveness side, but you know, you, you, you let it go is the point. You know, you get all that stuff down on paper. You read that letter with your sponsor. You know, once you've written it, you read that letter with your sponsor. Uh, the guys that I have sponsored over the years would tell you that I push this a lot. I push the daily journaling idea because that is huge in keeping us healthy and keeping a track record of our growth and then writing a letter to the people that we need to make amends with. Many times this letter writing process can kind of get us in a mode to where we can get up the courage to face someone that we do really need to face, you know, and sometimes we're just, you know, being controlled by fear and don't want to face a angry parent or an angry sibling or an angry friend and writing that letter first and having it down in front of you and going through that with your sponsor can really help give you courage to be able to go and do that. And then third is replace your hurt with God's peace. At some point, all this free forgiveness may start to sound unfair. Pay very close attention here, guys. This is important. If I forgive this person, especially if I forgive my offender without him asking for forgiveness or without me ever confronting them face to face, then they get off scot-free. I've been hurt and this person suffered no consequences. Well, let me let you in on a little secret that we all know inside of recovery. No one gets away with anything. Okay. You know, in, in the Bible, um, it tells us to kill these people with kindness because it's like reaping hot ashes on their heads. And many times God will give you a front seat into, you know, watching the effects of their horrible decisions play out in their life. Not, not that you want to sit there and enjoy that, but sometimes he, he will give us the ability to see, you know, that, that stuff play out in their life. Many times he doesn't. That's not important. Again, this is about you. If you get stuck in that mindset that I'm never going to do this because this this person deserves justice and he deserves um, you know, judgment and he deserves to suffer, well, then all you're doing is putting yourself in a place of being the holy judge. And I got news for you. You are not a holy judge. You're being controlled by your hurt and your pain. And we don't want God to judge us. Nor do we want anyone around us because, boy, you can, you know, walk down to the corner of your block and find someone who will tell you, I don't want to be judged by anybody. 
much less someone who's full of hurt, pain, resentment, and bitterness. So we have to kind of practice what we preach here in giving forgiveness even when it's undeserved and trusting God. We need to relax and let God settle the score. He can do a whole lot better job than we can anyways. And not to sit here and go down a dark, you know, alley of, you know, talking about, you know, people suffering from the consequences of the things that they did. I will share this one analogy. Um, I had a brother who was murdered and the guy who murdered him got off scot-free. Uh, he made the murder look like a suicide. The police wrote it off as a suicide. They didn't follow up with it. And the guy totally got off. That was very hard for our family to deal with for many years. But instead of being trapped by the resentment and that feeling of being, um, that feeling of being, you know, victimized and all that, we had to focus on forgiving this guy and giving it to God. And then as the guy's life played out after that, he had an absolutely miserable, lonely life, had multiple heart attacks. I think he even had a stroke at one point, died a young man in his late 50s, you know, and um, kind of got the consequences of his actions. Now, I'm not someone who says that God dealt out a bunch of judgment on that guy. Uh, there's something we call passive wrath, which is the consequences of our sinful choices. God has put things in place to where when you choose to love somebody, peace, joy, and happiness come into your life. When you choose to sin, death always follows sin. And that's something that was put into place at the Garden of Eden. And Jesus redeemed us of our sins. But when we are outside of that umbrella of salvation in Christ Jesus, we're kind of just floating on our own willpower and our own power, you know, as a human being. And when we sin in that environment, then the, the effects of that sin will haunt us and it will cause us big problems. Uh, we should never, if we're there seeing those things play out to the people that have abused us or have hurt us, we should never rejoice in that. But it is a testament that we reap what we sow. Repairing relationships by making amends to those you've hurt. This is the next part. So this is the second half of it. We're going to move into the amends thing. Repairing relationships is a two-part process. We've talked about forgiveness. The second part is making amends. Not only have people hurt you, you have hurt other people. Um, why do we need to make amends and how do we do it? So here's we're going to learn that right now. How do you, uh, or why do you need to make amends? It's painful as painful as making amends may seem, it is absolutely essential. Dealing with the root of your problems uh, means dealing with unresolved relationships. Until you do this, recovery can't happen. Um, when you, if you're all stuffed up and bound up with a bunch of um, junk that's in you, you're not going to get anywhere in recovery. You're just, at, at best, you may end up a dry drunk. You know, you, you may end up someone who, you know, found a way to stop being angry and bitter to your family, but you're angry and bitter to everybody at work. You're angry and bitter to the waitress at the restaurant. You're angry and bitter to your neighbor down the street. You're angry and bitter to, you know, the people that, you know, cut you off in traffic. 
you're still a dry addict or a dry person of compulsion, you know. So the amends process couples with the inventory we did last week uh, in revealing the things that we need to take ownership for and that we need to make right in our life. Um, Let me see where we are here. After I uh, completed... After I completed making my amends, God truly blessed me and my recovery. He gave me the vision of starting a Celebrate Recovery. This is the author speaking here, John Baker, of starting Celebrate Recovery, a Christ-centered recovery ministry for people struggling with all kinds of hurts, hang-ups, and habits. It is a safe place for individuals and families to find healing grace. Making amends is such a a big deal that the Bible says if you are standing at the altar in the temple offering a sacrifice to God and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there beside the altar and go and be reconciled to that person. Then you can offer your sacrifice to God. Uh, One of the beatitudes for this choice is happier those who work for peace. The amends process is you working for peace in your life. Uh, The Bible places a high priority on getting things right in our relationships. The Bible is all about relationships and connection. And uh, the more you read it and the more you study it, the more you'll understand that. The Bible says, watch out that no bitterness takes root among you, for for as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many... um, in their spiritual lives, and it will also hurt the people around you. So when you refuse to do the amends process, you're just, you know, carrying on the baggage of resentment, and that turns into bitterness. And right here, the Bible's saying, don't let any bitterness take root in us, because when it springs up, it brings deep trouble. How do I make amends? The Bible has a great piece of advice on keeping peace with others. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Keep this in mind as you work through the steps of making amends to those you've hurt. Uh, Do what you can. The scripture says, if it is possible as far as it depends on you. So these are things that are within your control. Uh, You're only responsible for what you do. You are not responsible for how the person you approach responds to your amends. Um, How do you make amends with people you've hurt? We'll show you how with this. Number one, make a list of those uh, you've harmed and what you did. You, sh- you will probably find some of these people in your inventory from last week because that first column was you making a list of people who have hurt you and people you have hurt. You know, So you may be able to refer back to that. Again, you know, your sponsor will help guide you through this. Um, so yeah, so you got to get a hands-on thing on paper and make a list of people that you feel like that you've harmed and write out what it was that you did to harm them. Don't worry about how you're going to do it right now, okay? Let's just get the names and the reasons on paper and get that part of it, you know, moving forward. Number two, uh, think about how you'd like someone to make amends to you. Uh, The way you soften your heart in approaching amends is to think about the people that you've had to ask for forgiveness from. Think about how you would want someone to make amends to you who have hurt you. Because now you're getting ready to take responsible for the the predatory hurt you have inflicted on someone else. 
so make sure you think about that process. It's again, it's a reciprocation of grace and mercy flowing through you into another person. When you think about that, that kind of softens your heart about how you're going to approach somebody. Uh, timing is very important. Uh, there's a time to let things happen and a time to make things happen. So there's, you know, I, I approach that sentence like not everything requires a reaction, but some things do require a reaction. So that's kind of where we are with that. So you need to get with your sponsor and talk about, you know, how the timing would be most healthy for you. And if it, it's possible and the person you need to make amends with and you know what's going on in their life, that it's, it's a good time for them as well. I highly recommend covering that timing process with um, prayer. Ask God to open the doors of opportunity for you to be able to make amends with people. I have things in my life right now um, that I am praying over that I know I'm going to have to make amends for later down the road. I don't think I'm there yet. I don't think the timing's right, but it's something that's been ruminating in my mind for many years, and it's something that I know I'm going to have to um, confront at some point, but I don't know how to confront it because it's a complicated situation. And I'm just praying for God to give me an opportunity to make amends with this, this person and these people. Um, and I'm waiting on him, you know, sometimes, I mean, this isn't an overnight sensation guys. This is not something that, you know, um, needs to be done, you know, tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? This is not something that needs to be done next week. Even, you know, um, don't get in a hurry, pray over this, you know, ruminate it with your sponsor, you know, think about it and, and, and let God lead you in this. Make sure your attitude is correct when you approach people. Um, think about how you would like someone to apologize to you. Here are three things to consider. First, do it privately. This is not something you want to do um, in, a, in a public forum. The Bible clearly states that when we have issue with someone, we're to pull them aside and talk to them one-on-one. Uh, choose a time and a place carefully and consider what will make the other person um, most comfortable. Second, do it with humility. Um, sincerity, uh, or say, sincerely and simply say what you did wrong. Let me say that again. Sincerely and simply say what you did wrong. Don't make any justifications for your actions or attitude. Offer no excuses. Don't stand there and apologize and then justify for what you did. You know, come with, with some cockamamie reason why. You know, I'm sorry, but, you know, I still feel like that I was justified in doing what I did. You know, that's not an amends. You're just playing games. Uh, just humbly acknowledge your part in the problem and as assume whatever responsibility belongs to you. The other person may not... Uh, the other person may have had a part in the problem too, but you're just trying to clear up your side of the ledger here, not theirs. Again, this whole process of forgiveness and amends is about you, not them. This is about releasing you from the hangups that comes with, um, you know, having issue with someone. Third, do it without expectations. Don't expect anything back from the person when you're trying to make amends. Most of the time that I've made amends with people, it, it has not been a pretty situation. I can remember one guy specifically that I had to confess something very, very hard for me to admit, but I did, and um, he did not respond well to that. He didn't have uh, he didn't have a lot of uh, good things to say about me in response to that, and I had to sit there and listen to it. You know, it was my time to eat crow. You know, I made my bed; I had to lay in it. 
You know, I mean, whatever analogy works for you, inject it there. Because uh, if you're expecting an apology, that may never happen. This isn't about them taking responsibility for their end. This is about you taking responsibility for you. If the other person doesn't acknowledge his or her responsibility or apologize uh, with you, who cares? The actual heart change is not about them. It's about you doing the right thing. Uh, and in our appropriateness, there will be um, there will be some situations when contacting the one uh, who's hurt you is unwise. And this kind of comes back to the timing idea. Um, remember that the, the principle says, except when to do so will harm them or others. In some situations, trying to make amends would be inappropriate because it would open up a whole can of worms and probably make the situation worse. Uh, I have walked alongside of people who were um, dealing with adulterous affairs and things like that that are, are, are years old, you know, or that sort of thing. And it really doesn't do any good to go back and tear that family apart, you know, trying to get yourself free from that. That might be an empty chair or letter writing exercise. And I highly recommend that. Again, your sponsor can give you godly wisdom and how to handle those situations. Um, consider the situation, consider the person, and try to make amends in a way that's best for them and you. And then restitution. Make restitution whenever possible. If you borrowed something, return it. If you owe the person money, pay it back. Uh, even if it takes a long time, making restitution gives you freedom and confidence. The Bible... Um, it goes into a thing about Zacharias. I'm not going to get into it. That's kind of long and drawn out. Um, but it's very, very important that you make the situation right any way you can. You know, um, like I said, if you owe them money, you know, pay them back. Even if it's 10 bucks a month or something. Make some kind of effort to, you know, pay them back. Um, if it's a situation where you hurt someone emotionally, you know, maybe you just need to help invest in their recovery somehow you know I don't, again your sponsor can help lead you through that um refocus your life this is the last one uh when this whole process is is over it's really time for you to kind of move on with your life god wants to deal with all the uh rational garbage he wants to deal with all the relational garbage in your life once and for all he knows when you can handle it and how much you can handle at a time. So he takes the garbage off one layer at a time. We talked about this today. Um, you know, every time I, I walk somebody through a step study or through life sealing choices, which this is my first time through life sealing choices, but the process is the same as the journey begins step study as far as walking people through the amends process. Um, you know, easy does it, one step at a time. You know, let, let's not make amends with, you know, 316 people this time around. Let's make amends with, like, two or three people that are big players in your dysfunction, and we'll save the rest of it for the next time we go through this and give God the opportunity to peel us off one layer at a time, kind of like an onion. Um, you put your heart right, refocus your life, uh, begins with your heart. All this stuff is a heart condition, guys. All this whole recovery process is about restructuring your heart in a healthy way and getting it focused on Christ. This is where you get your attitude right so that you can begin to make an amends and so you can begin to get healed. This is all about you know, refocusing your life. You need to reach out to God. 
If you ask God into your life, um, if you haven't asked God into your life, you can do it today. I think we've all heard the sinner's prayer at some you know point or another. Just pray God into your life. Ask him to come into your life. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Confess Christ as the Son of God and, and ask him to connect you with other strong, mature believers um, to help you work through your d- discipleship. And then face the world again. As you make amends and clean your slate, as far as it depends on you, uh, you resume living. Your eyes are open and looking ahead as you uh, courageously and joyfully face the world. You step out and say, I'm not a victim anymore. You don't withdraw. You don't hide in a shell. You start looking ahead. So the amends process is not in place um, to make you feel like dirt, although that kind of is a part of it. It's definitely not a comfortable you know, valley to have to walk through, but it is absolutely necessary in your recovery. Uh, you can't skip any of these steps, guys, if you're trying to get your life together. And I'm not just talking about people who struggle with chemical addiction, drugs, and alcohol. I'm talking about people who are struggling with sex addiction, gambling addiction, people who have codependency, compulsions, anger, resentment, bitterness, you know, all that kind of stuff. Anxiety and panic is a result of a lot of these things. Depression can be a result of a lot of these unresolved issues in your life. And it's a process. It's not a, a sprint. It's a marathon. You know, you're going to peel a layer off every time you go through a program like this. In Celebrate Recovery, we suggest a continual process of step study and life sealing choices type programs. Because every year when you go through that program, you peel another layer off and you become better. Well, man, when you get through four or five of these things, you literally become a completely different person, much more aligned with the person you've always wanted to be. Because recovery always delivers what addiction and compulsive behavior promises. It's not an overnight sensation. You didn't get jacked up overnight, and you're not getting unwound overnight. It takes time, one step at a time. Slow down so you can go faster is what we say, things like that. Uh, let's see here. I have something highlighted at the end. Uh, then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. Here's the promise. As we put our hearts right, reach out to God and face the world again, the memory of our troubles will begin to fade away. Wow. And those few words is the sound of hope. Uh, wouldn't you like to be free from all the relational garbage in your life? Well, the choice is yours. Peace and mercy awaits you. If you have found value in this podcast or if it has blessed you in any way, can I ask a couple things from you real quick? Please rate and review this podcast in whatever format you listen to it on, especially if you use Google or Apple Podcasting app. Also, could I ask you to please donate to this ministry uh we need your financial support we are not sponsored by any church or religious denomination nor do we have any corporate sponsors Uh, we are totally independent and dependent on our listeners to make this ministry resource possible please consider giving to this ministry i'll be sure to post links and information on how to give in the description of this podcast and finally 
And most importantly, we need your prayers for guidance and protection from the people who look to silence voices like ours. Pray for God's favor in the eyes of our enemies and grace in our hearts toward them. Pray that God uses this podcast to speak into the lives of those struggling with addiction and ministers to the hearts of the hurting. We need your prayers covering this ministry so we can be effective ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, thanks for listening to this podcast. My prayer is that it blessed you and brought you a fresh understanding of our lives in this world and our need for unity in Christ. A brush fire of revival in Jesus Christ is our only hope for satisfaction and true joy as we walk out the human experience that is our day-to-day lives. It's been my sincere honor to be your host today at the Truth Labyrinth Podcast. Be blessed and be a blessing to those around you. Till next time, I leave you with a scripture from Ephesians 6, 23 and 24. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, my God.